most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another edition of the Fantasy Flex Podcast. Dane Martinez and Samantha Praviti kind of taking the autopsy of last week and thinking what we need to do moving forward on the waiver wire to get you ready for week five and continuing hot streaks in fantasy. And, you know, it's almost... I don't know how I feel about this, Samantha, but we have to start with some injuries. And from a purely callous standpoint, we have to start with what happened on Thursday night football. We know Tua Tagovailoa is out. He's going to be out, in my opinion, for a while. They're not going to let him back, you know, any earlier than he needs to be this time around. But we have been talking about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. We've been talking about Waddle as someone who could potentially win you a league because he was drafted as, say, a wide receiver two or three, and as performing as a top five overall wide receiver. My question for you, Samantha, we've done it before when Dak Prescott went down. We've done it before when Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, assumed the San Francisco job from Trey Lance. Now, this Miami offense was really impressing in its first month, but now with the switch to Teddy Bridgewater, I personally don't think they're going to threaten the ball downfield as much. And that's really where these speedy wide receivers, Hill and Waddle, got kind of their production. What do you see in the Miami skill players now that two is going to be down, we think, for a while this time? Sure. It's absolutely brutal. I wish Tua the best and a speedy recovery. And I saw that he has already been rolled out for this week. So, yes, to your point, they will probably play it pretty conservatively moving forward. Uh, it, it's a bummer for the skilled position players because Waddle and Hill are both top four receivers and half PBR on a per game basis, which has just been phenomenal for fantasy. We went into the season thinking that Hill was just going to kind of take over all of Waddle's production. And that obviously didn't happen. It was like looking like Tua could actually support two really fantasy relevant guys. Now Hill ended up having a good day for fantasy in the end with uh, Teddy Bridgewater taking over. So I'm less worried about him. I would say like both of those guys, like I I was going to say going into this next week, if Tua had not gotten hurt, that they would be wide receiver ones rest of season, like locked Mm. in. And to your point, Waddle could have been a league winner based on where you drafted him. So I would say that Hill gets downgraded into that like low end wide receiver one tier and Waddle gets downgraded into that wide receiver two tier, which is is a big bump down. I mean, I will say Teddy Bridgewater is one of the better backup quarterbacks that exist out there. So, I mean, I had to watch a lot of games with him being a Panthers fan. I don't, I'm not Mm. saying he's excellent, but he is serviceable as a backup. So uh, hopefully he can kind of keep them fantasy relevant for the next few weeks or however long to it is out. And yeah, hopefully they can, your fantasy teams, if you have them can stay afloat. 
he is serviceable, right? And everybody uses words like that when talking about Teddy Bridgewater. He's got a great personality, if you know what I mean, but he's not necessarily going to threaten. And it actually makes me think, we've talked previously on episodes, guys like Mike Gasicki, you know, could actually get more targets kind of down the seam, the security blanket of it all. They get the New York Jets on the road, their first try with Teddy Bridgewater. We'll see if their offense remains as dynamic as it has been in weeks past. The other huge injury, Samantha, coming off this week is Broncos stud running back Javante Williams. Many people thought that he was really going to escalate this year to become like a RB1. We know Melvin Gordon is in that backfield, and he's probably the nice, easy pivot. But Samantha, as you know, there are hardly any teams this year that go at it with a quote-unquote workhorse running back. So who else may be uh, kind of important to note in the Denver backfield? Sure. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal for the Broncos backfield. I know that the fantasy managers out there, this is like kind of where fantasy and real NFL kind of bifurcate because fantasy managers would rather see Javante Williams out there at hundred percent of snaps. And that wasn't, that already was not happening. So I think that the Broncos are definitely going to go in the direction of the running back by committee, as you alluded to, especially with Melvin Gordon sort of ball security issues. So Mike Boone would be next up on that depth chart. I think they need to add a, a an RB3 probably before Thursday night. Um, I mm. believe Divine Ozigbo is on the Broncos practice squad. So they might be elevating him just for depth reasons, but I think it'll probably be between Gordon and Boone. Gordon was actually very productive for fantasy last season to the dismissal may of a Javante right. managers. So I think that he can be like an RB2 moving forward, but they're not going to give him all of the backfield. I just don't think that that's reasonable given how old he is and given sort of the, the struggles that he's had with fumbling recently. So let me ask you, though, more on this, right? Because Melvin Gordon wasn't necessarily someone you were inserting in starting lineups on a week-to-week basis. Where does this push Melvin Gordon? Is he an RB2? Is he a flex play now that he kind of has first run at this backfield? Because the other thing, I mean, remember last week, we were doing patience or panic on Russell Wilson and this Denver Broncos offense, right? So it's nice that there's great opportunity potentially out there, but do am I really running to grab someone on an offense that's bottom 10 in the NFL? Well, I wouldn't be necessarily running to grab Mike Boone. Uh, he's the only one that's going to be available because Melvin Gordon is rostered in pretty much sure. every league, probably uh, over 80% of Are you starting Gordon now, though, more? Yes. Like, Gordon so, may have been a bench guy. Are you flexing Gordon? Is Gordon an RB2 now? I, I would say that Gordon is an RB2 right now uh, just because of the opportunity, to your point. I mean, they do run the ball a lot. They've had struggles in the passing game, too. So, I mean, and they like to use Gordon on the goal line, which is really key. It's been frustrating for fantasy, like I said. But, you know, in 2021, when he was splitting carries with Javante, he was the RB21 and half PPR. So he's definitely someone that can be productive. He's not just like some guy that came out of nowhere. He's just a little bit longer in the tooth. So I'm not exactly super excited about him, but I still think that because of the opportunity, he will be an RB2. 
All right, fair enough. I'm going to be very interested to see what the Russell Wilson rushing props are this week or the anytime touchdown for Russell Wilson to see if he gets part of the run game. Remember, he was scrambling for his life for years up in the Pacific Northwest. Another injury that I think is important is Cordero Patterson, right? This kind of slash player who had the fantasy community a buzz last year as a true running back was doing it again this year, Samantha, for the Atlanta Falcons. He goes down with a knee injury. What do you think happens here this is another team I gotta be honest with you Samantha I can't figure out I thought this was going to be a horrific team going into the season and they're tied for first place after four weeks yeah I've been very surprised by the Falcons now they are doing it in some of the not most conventional ways now uh, Marcus Mariota completely got shut down after he threw that pick. And I think they called yeah. 14 consecutive rushing plays. So that's what's important here too, because with Cordero Patterson leaving now, he wasn't exactly the archetypical rusher. I mean, he was really more of that hybrid running back wide receiver, but I think that that'll open up opportunities for guys like Tyler Algier and uh, Caleb Huntley, who were utilized really heavily in this game. Now, I don't know if that was partly an artifact of like Miles Garrett being out too. They're not having as much uh, depth sort of on the defensive line, but I, I mean, they, they've looked pretty impressive and they're, they're both going to get a lot more work now that Patterson is out. So uh, yeah, I would definitely put those guys kind of at the top of my priority. All right, fair enough. I'm passing on these Falcons and it's still Samantha because I just, I don't believe, I don't believe in what I'm seeing from Atlanta and their next games, you know, at Tampa Bay, at Cincinnati, I think kind of the clock will strike midnight on the Falcons and they'll be in different game scripts than they've been in for the first month of the season. And maybe they'll be playing a little bit differently, but we shall see to be sure. So those are some of the big time injuries. We also had guys like Danny Dimes get injured. Remember, they're going to London next week. Traylon Burks, the rookie wide receiver on Tennessee, he got carted off as well. But Samantha, it is time for us to bring back on segment we did last week. I think to great effect, we call it patience or panic. And I got to tell you, Samantha, Austin Eckler was probably listening to us here on the Fantasy Flex last week. You said be patient with him. And all he did in response was score not one, not two, but three touchdowns to get himself right back in the RB1 conversation after four weeks. So let's get into some more guys that I want to ask you about patience or panic. I'm only going to say this one more time sir calm down i'm calm we will start samantha with the wide receiver out of carolina dj moore now you may have seen on social media last week the idea of if he was open or not and what being open in the nfl is uh aside from saying like oklahoma where baker mayfield used to be but what do you think about dj moore still with baker throwing him the ball it's very frustrating because I have been a DJ Moore apologist for so long. And when the Panthers got Baker, I was like, oh, well, at least he'll finally have someone that can kind of throw it downfield. Well, apparently like Baker ranks 33rd in adjusted right. passer rating, according to PFF right now. And he's like leading the league in clean pocket throwaways. I mean, everything is just wrong right oh, now I thought it's, it's so bad <laughs> so I mean DJ Moore is wide receiver 49 and a half PBR through four weeks averaging just 7.4 points per game so it's it's absolutely brutal 
I don't know if there are just some, some growing pains here. Uh, I don't know if Matt Rule is going to get fired after next game. I don't know if they're going to bring back Sam Darnold at some time. They did say that he's not ready quite yes. yet with the high ankle sprain. So I will say I'm exercising a little more patience for DJ Moore, but maybe it's just like, I just need to commit to it. I'm like, I'm, I'm double down. I'm doubling down. I I've just like, I've been supporting him for so long. I know that the talent's there. I just need Baker to be a little bit more <laughs> accurate and a little bit more patient. I feel like he's been running around so much and just scrambling and, uh-huh. and he's gone back to some of the bad habits that I think we used to see from early Baker. So I'm hoping that, maybe he calms down a little bit and we'll see a little bit better, better fantasy production for more. I got to tell you something. You referenced it before Samantha, while he is eligible to come off IR, Sam Darnold, they're saying will still take a little bit more time. I would not be surprised Samantha. If by the time you are eating your trick or treat candy, we do see Sam Darnold back under center for Carolina. I mean, Robbie Anderson loves him. It seems like DJ Moore was okay with him last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Sam, I am does in fact get some starts and that changes the complexion of some of these Panthers wideouts. but I digress. We'll see what happens on that side. One of the guys you've been talking about all year long, Samantha, is Atlanta Falcons. We've been just talking about the Falcons. Their tight end, Kyle Pitts. Now, everyone thought he was really going into the season, going to kind of ascend into that first tier with guys like Waller and Andrews and Kittle and Kelsey. It hasn't been the case, and this Falcons offense, like we said before, is tough to figure out. He's back in the doghouse. Are you panicking? I am panicking. I mean, I told you that I was basically going to give him one more week. Then he had that good week. But if if we had reversed these weeks, like, you know, I would have been in complete panic mode last week. It's because I didn't have the, the whole like Kyle Pitts prayer circle going on on my whiteboard (laughs) or anything like that to free him. But yeah, I mean, he's the tight end 21 through four weeks, averaging just five points per game and half PBR. It's, 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 I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, Arthur Smith doesn't care about your fantasy team. Clearly. I, I think that he just has such little confidence in Marcus Mariota's throwing ability. And that's really, really worrisome. So I don't know if that means that we're going to see some Desmond Ritter soon. Mm. I mean, we already start, we already saw Kenny Pickett. <laughs> These guys could be on shorter leashes than we think. Um, so right now I'm, I'm in panic mode just because of what I've seen from Mariota. This is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic. Yeah, that's fair. I will say this though. They and Tampa are the only teams in that division with two victories though, right? So they're doing really bad yet somehow they share first place. And I can't believe we're really thinking about picking up and inserting guys like Will Disley over Kyle Pitts, who you probably use like a fourth or fifth round draft pick on going into it. Another quarterback we talked about Russell Wilson and others last week. I got to ask you, you know, Aaron Rodgers likes to say R-E-L-A-X. He likes to, you know, get his ayahuasca from his shaman and calm down. (laughs) Should all of the Aaron Rodgers owners also calm down? I mean, Bailey Zappi almost beat him, completely kneecapping survivor pools left and right. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers and him kind of familiarizing himself with his new weapons? Are you panicking on the two-time MVP? Yeah, the the Packers should have won this game by like two touchdowns at least. The line was, I think, 10 and a half. So uh, the fact that it was so close 
was for so long is is actually an indictment I think on on how bad the Packers are I don't think that that's some uh, some testament of how good Bailey Zappi is because I, I don't want to go down that road hmm. but uh Aaron Rodgers is basically the guy that I thought he'd be like I was pretty low on him going into the season maybe he's a, even a little lower than what I thought like I was I was thinking he was around that like QB 12, like right on the fringe, just because I was worried about what the complexion of this offense would look like without Devontae Adams. And they don't really have a standout wide receiver one. And I think that that's really impacted Rodgers. He's a guy that threw four interceptions all of last season. He's already got three this season. So that means he's on track for about 13 of them. I don't know if that's going to continue, but his accuracy issues have just like definitely impacted his fantasy production. He's just not throwing nearly as much. So I I'm 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 worried but not as worried because I didn't have super high expectations for him but it, it's still it's still worth mentioning because he's a guy that we've just been so accustomed to being yeah. so dominant in fantasy and the NFL for so long yeah and I think you know the casual fantasy player right just goes on the name recognition of Aaron Rodgers when you're like oh I can get Aaron Rodgers of course but one of the things yeah. you said that I think is so important going into this season you me most people who knew thought that this Green Bay Packers team was going to be guided by their run game Samantha Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon one of the best one-two combinations in the backfield in the entire NFL and it felt to me even going into the season that that's what they wanted their identity to be that's why they didn't care about you know bringing in other big time wide receivers they had opportunities to there were guys out there that they were kind of connected to but instead I think they wanted their identity to be a run heavy team think about it when they're in the playoffs and Lamb Field, they're not going to be slinging it around. They're going to want to turn and hand the rock to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And it sounds weird, but they too, they're three and one. You know, they had that big loss in week one, but they have won every game so far. It hasn't looked pretty, but you know, this is a game of outputs and they are three and one after four weeks. I'm with you though. I was, I was nervous. Let's put it that way for my survivor pick for week four. I got to, you know, the field goal at the end of overtime means I survive and advance. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now you could win on Sleeper by playing their new over under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over under. For example, rushing yards at a football number or points in basketball, then choose the amount of money you wanna enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my friend's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my group picks with the tap of a button, along with Over Under integrated into the fantasy experience itself. It's insanely fun to ride out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their Over Under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money on your mobile phone. Join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com slash action and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to sleeper.com slash action and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Let's turn our attention now, Samantha, to week five. 
Okay, like Bill Belichick would say, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to week five here. Let's look. You know, we've had injuries. We've had quarterbacks getting demoted and benched. Speaking of quarterbacks, where are you going on the waiver wire if you're dealing with injury or just straight underperformance? Sure. There are a couple of ways you can go to, I will say the whole waiver wire is pretty lean this week. So, mm. and that stinks given how many injuries there are out there, but there's just like situations where there's not a good backup to the guy right. who was actually injured. But uh, Kenny Pickett actually comes to mind. He was in my look ahead waiver column because I just had this sneaking suspicion that Mitch Trubisky was going to get himself benched. And he did. Uh, he was awful through the first two quarters. I mean, did next to nothing on offense and uh, prompted them to hand over the reins to Pickett. He I mean, I mean, the stat line doesn't tell the story because it shows zero touchdowns and three interceptions mm -hmm. on at least on the passing side. One of those was his first pass and the, the other one was the last pass, which is on a Hail Mary. I, I don't know that that necessarily tells you that actually like Pickett really did inject life into this offense. They, I mean, they, they ended up losing the game, but the, they at least had a chance with Pickett there. So I was actually pleasantly surprised. Pickett actually did pick up two um, rushing touchdowns. Yeah. So certainly that is something to keep an eye on for fantasy because that's, I mean, that gives you a really nice floor sure. if he's just going to be running around a lot. Now the upcoming schedule, not great at the Bills versus the Bucks and then at the Dolphins. Um, so I think he's more of a longer term stash. If you have a guy that you're not sure about right now, like I have like Matt Stafford, who I'm not like excited to roll out there every week. And I might stash Kenny Pickett because he might end up being really fantasy viable. He's there in 95% of leagues. So he's probably someone that I think is the most exciting. We talked about Teddy Bridgewater. He's only 2% rostered. Not, not a big surprise there, sure. um, but certainly could be an inexpensive and widely available option with the Jets defense on tap. We know Obviously, the, the Dolphins have great weapons, so that should at least elevate his status a little bit. And like I said, he is one of the better backup quarterbacks. And then the other places I would look, maybe Ryan Tannehill. He's 17% rostered. Again, serviceable. Like not, We're not finding any guys that are going to be immediate like Lamar Jackson's here, but he was like, you know, the QB 20 last this, this past week. And he's out there. He's, he's okay. And he's got the commanders on deck. So like, if you need someone for this upcoming week, the commander's defense looks terrible. So it's uh Ryan Tannehill might not be the worst option. Can I ask you about one other quarterback who sure. going into the season, kind of like I thought Atlanta was going to be laughable. There's another quarterback, another team I thought was going to be laughable. And he just keeps on getting it done. I'm talking about up in the Pacific Northwest, Samantha, Geno Smith and the Seattle offense. I saw them put up 40 some odd points. I see him statistically better than Russell Wilson in most categories so far. And I also believe that Seattle, despite what they've done, they're going to be in these kind of um, explosive games, sort of back and forth, maybe backdoor covers that do profile for quarterback getting production. We know he's got good wide receivers in Lockett and DK Metcalf. Do you believe in Geno Smith? I sort of believe. Now, I will say I think anyone playing this Lions defense is going to look pretty good and vice versa. Anyone playing the Seahawks defense is going to look pretty good as well. So I, I don't know if I want to put too, too much stock in that Scorigami game that happened. But and the, the only reason that I would really shy away from him next week is he does have the Saints on deck who have looked pretty mm. solid on defense. So I would not necessarily go to him for a streamer for this week. But I mean, if he actually like 
turns out and looks good against the Saints. It, it, I mean, he's got definitely a number of exploitable matchups on deck. So I think that he's a, definitely a name to keep an eye on. And if you want to add him, I don't hate it at all. All right. And let me, what I'm saying is in certain two quarterbacks leagues, you can do worse than Geno Smith as your super flex, you know? So I know a lot of people kind of thought that he didn't belong as a starter, that he was just kind of keeping the seat warm for whoever Seattle would draft like number one overall next year, but he's actually performed well. He's outperformed his uh, predecessor, Russell Wilson. Let's go to the running back position. We did talk a lot of injuries at the running back position. So there's a few different quote unquote next men up here. We talked about Mike Boone and others. Who are you prioritizing on the waiver wire this week at the running back position? Sure. So we mentioned all the injuries to running backs. Tyler Algier is probably my top guy. He's a guy that I actually liked as a sleeper going into the season just because the Falcons don't have a lot of running back depth. He's a rookie. He is 16% rostered and he saw 10 carries for 84 yards. Uh, Caleb Huntley saw 10 carries for 56 yards and a touchdown. So I actually think that that might be end up being a committee type situation, especially if their pass game is going to be that bad. Uh, so I'm going to look at Algier probably first. Boone, I just, I'm having trouble really getting excited about Boone right now, just because I just don't know. It, there's, there's such a small sample size. Now they did utilize him heavily in this game once Javante Williams went down because of Melvin Gordon's fumbling issues. And I think that that was a little bit of like a punishment type thing. I don't know if that's signs of things to come, but Boone was used more like snap wise and touch wise after that point. So, um, I mean, he, he's definitely worth a bid. I'm just not sure that I'm going to say, oh yeah, he's a, he's a, he's an RB three moving forward. I'm not ready to go there with him yet. Um, but other guys that I'm also looking at Isaiah Pacheco back on the radar because the chiefs are in such a positive game script. And I think that if you can pretty much pick the games that you think will be in a positive game script, it will probably work out. I mean, I think that there will be a lot of those. Clyde Edwards Elair was absolutely on fire with the first couple touchdowns on yep. back-to-back drives, but then Pacheco was pretty heavily involved. 11 carries for 63 yards looked pretty good too in the process. So I think that he's going to carve out a role in this offense for himself, but at very minimum, he's a good uh, insurance policy to have if you have Clyde Edwards Elair. Yeah, fair enough. This, Samantha, is where this week I break out the good old saying, I'd rather have a sliver of a watermelon than half of a grape. I don't care about the B-side running back in the Denver Broncos offense. I don't care about the next man up in the Atlanta Falcons offense, right? Pacheco is a guy that does intrigue me kind of as like the hammer. He he could have some kind of A.J. Dillon qualities about him as they are uplating games, bringing him in. Remember, CEH is injury prone as well, although CEH, I believe, is now RB4 in PPR leagues going in after his great performance. Yo, Mahomes to hell air for all you Fresh Prince uh, fans out there. And here's the other offense that I'd be interested in getting a share of at the running back position. Samantha, give me Kenneth Gainwell over in Philly. I mean, like, I see him being utilized along in the backfield with Jalen Hurts. Miles Sanders is also someone who's injury prone. And if, you know, we fast forward four or five weeks and I have the starting running back for the Eagles or I have the starting running back for the Chiefs, I'd rather have that than have the kind of next man up in Atlanta or in Denver. I think Pacheco is a great call for you. And I would say, keep your eyes on Kenneth Gainwell. A lot of people thought it was going to be Boston Scott going into the season. 
And Kenneth Gainwell has gotten that kind of opportunity. And I like this Philadelphia offense, which going into this week was number one in the NFL in terms of yards gained. So you kind of want to get down with the good offenses. Let's talk about the wide receiver position, Samantha. Where are we going? We had some injuries. We had some underperformances. And in your column, we have some guys that are coming back from injury potentially that you may want to snap up now. Sure. So one guy that I think is a standout in this column is Isaiah McKenzie. I love that our Isaiah's in this, but they're not spelled the same. That's what's annoying. I can never spell Isaiah correctly because there's like 8 million different spellings. Anyway, uh, he was also in the look ahead of waiver wire column, had another nice day for the Bills. Uh, you know, in spite of weather challenges, he caught four of six targets for 21 yards at a touchdown. That was his third touchdown of the season. He's the wide receiver. 25 and a half PPR with one game left to play. Now his role could have been a little augmented because I think Gabe Davis was a little bit of a decoy in this game, given how little he was targeted. But I think that McKenzie should be rostered in more leagues because that wide receiver two spot still feels up for grabs. And Jamison Crowder did suffer a broken ankle will be out indefinitely. So I think that McKenzie will definitely see some work now do note. He left the game in the concussion protocol. If he doesn't clear it, he may not play this week. So um, just something worth mentioning, but I really like him as a long-term value, like a type of guy that could evolve. Um, And to your point about the offenses, I mean, it's a great offense. I would love to have more pieces of a Josh Allen led offense. Um, Another guy that is really exciting is George Pickens. So he is someone that I had on my radar after he had that crazy acrobatic catch on Thursday night, the Odell Beckham-esque catch. Now he hadn't put up a lot of production, but he actually did have a kind of breakout day uh, with Pickett taken over. He had uh, six catches for a team high 102 yards, currently the wide receiver 18 heading into Monday night. Um, I think that he was a great pickup for the Steelers. Uh, I mean, they do have depth, but not a ton of depth. Like I chase Claypool doesn't feel like the answer to like their wide receiver two situation. So I feel like Pickens is just like a guy that they got at a really good value, just given how banged up he was in college but you know we, we talked about the Steelers schedule so Pickens is more of like a longer term type guy and then um a couple other guys that I will mention from the Lions Josh Reynolds and Jamison Williams so TJ Hawkinson completely blew us yeah. all away he was a guy that we were worried about yeah. too for well, fantasy it helps but... to have no DeAndre Swift no sure, sun god sure, on sure. the roster right so targets had to go somewhere in a game where both teams got in the 40s yeah sure so if it it looks like Amon Ross St. Brown might be in jeopardy of missing more time. I mean, Josh Reynolds could definitely be on the radar. Even if Amon Ross comes back, I mean, they're so shallow. They had some guy named Tom Kennedy catching passes in this in this um, receiving course. So it's, it's pretty shallow out there. Williams is a totally separate story. He's now eligible to come off the NFI list. I don't know if that will happen immediately, but he's a guy with right. four, three speed that just like may have gone a little bit unnoticed because of just how stacked this wide receiver class has been. We've had crazy performances from Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Drake London, but don't sleep on Jamison Williams, because I think that he's a type of guy that could come out and make a really big impact, especially with the Lions likely trailing in a lot of games. Yeah, remember, I mean, Detroit still used the first round draft pick on a wide receiver out of Alabama, and those wide receivers out of Alabama seem to be doing pretty well here in the big leagues. I also love the George Pickens call. And one other note on that, Samantha, if they go to Pickett 
that could mean more for Pickens if you and and the reason is this they have actually more chemistry because they've been running with the twos the entire time in training camp right in practices you know if anything Kenny Pickett is not getting reps with Claypool and Deontay Johnson like you mentioned he's getting more reps with Pickens he's already probably got that back shoulder fade or kind of knows what routes he likes to run so as Pittsburgh does kind of move over to Kenny Pickett I would not be surprised if the target share for George Pickens grows as well. The only other wideout I would um, include here, you did have it in your column, I believe, as well, is over in Dallas, we saw the return of Michael Gallup. And I know you have been talking about Noah Brown for a little while, but I actually think that Gallup coming back and Dak Prescott on the horizon coming back could resume Gallup being like the normal number two option in this passing offense. And I think that's something I would want some shares of. I know you've talked about Noah Brown in the past. What do you think about it now that Gallup is also back in the fold? Sure. So Gallup would definitely be my preferred one of him and Brown. He's 41% rostered, so he's a little bit less available than Brown is, which makes sense. Now, I just think it's great that they have receivers that are talented that are on the field right now. I mean, like this is taking some pressure off of CD lamb, which is really helping him, I think. And Gallup is a guy that we've seen do it in the past. Like he has been productive. He has a chemistry with Dak Prescott. So I, I went into the the season thinking that Gallup was going to be the wide receiver too. He ended up being banged up, not ready for week one, but with him coming back, I mean, he immediately made an impact caught a touchdown. So I I certainly think that he could easily take over that wide receiver two position. Noah Brown ends up being more of the like boomer bust type guy. But I still think that there will be targets to go around, especially if Dalton Schultz remains kind of like a little banged up. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, maybe the biggest piece of all of that is that Dak Prescott could be targeting next week for a return as well. Although they are 0-1 with Dak and undefeated, I think, with Cooper Rush so far. I know, and I I was... I was just on San Antonio radio and they were asking me if I thought that, you know, it was going to be a QB. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They were asking me if if I thought it was going to be a QB competition. And I was like, are you for real? And I actually saw a couple things on Twitter from Cowboys fans, like already, already giving up on Dak and saying he can't hit the broadside of the barn or whatever. Like, and and I'm like, guys, 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 that was one game against a really good defense. So Mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, fading Dak Prescott quite yet. (laughs) Yeah. We'll put that in our patience or panic segment maybe (laughs) later on in the season, but I'm with you. There's a reason that Dak is QB one in Dallas and he probably will assume that role again, as soon as he is healthy to do so. What about the tight end position, Samantha? You know, you're talking about Kyle Pitts was on parole, got back, you know, shoved into the slammer for bad behavior, whatever it was. Who are some tight ends out there that are you know kind of on your radar i know you talked about tyler conklin last week and he's still out there in over half of leagues yes so i did like tyler conklin last week the jets really were frustrating in this game i i i said on convince me that i thought that zach wilson was at best neutral for this passing game just because of how much flacco had been throwing the ball and i was like that's not sustainable for the jets i don't think that that's how wilson's going to operate now And Garrett Wilson, as a result, was a complete dud in this game. So it was very frustrating. Tyler Conklin, I was encouraged by because even though he didn't have his best game, no, this was actually his worst game. He caught three of five targets for 52 yards. Um, I I mean, that's certainly not terrible. His worst game. Exactly. That's his low mark, you know, that's not bad in this kind of wasteland of tight end. 
Absolutely. I mean, like Pitt's managers got one catch for 25 <laughs> yards. So like, I, I, it's, it's not, it's not a great landscape for tight end. That being said, I do like Conklin that he's still getting the looks. We talked about it as him being a potential sort of security blanket. So I, I like him still moving forward. He's 42% rostered. So go pick him up if you are lean at tight end. Hayden Hurst, um, he looked pretty good on Thursday Night Football. I've been Got singing his on. praises for a while. I, I've just been high on him because I, he's a former first rounder that lost his job to Mark Andrews. Like, I, I think that he's still highly talented. Uh, he's got the Ravens on deck who have been giving up a lot of points. Uh, I don't think last week was necessarily indicative just because there was so much weather going on there. But uh, the Ravens have definitely been exploitable against the past, though Hurst could definitely be Addable. Uh, Will Disley, he just keeps scoring touchdowns. And I don't know if this is a sustainable thing that he's found the end zone three times this season. It's 3% rostered. I mean, like he's the tight end seven for the week, tight end nine for the season. Currently outscoring Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Dawson Knox, Mike Gesicki, Darren Waller, Dalton Schultz, and Cole Komet on a per game basis. Like those, all those guys were actually drafted. This is a guy that's like, way out there on the waivers in the deepest leagues right now. So you can definitely pick him up. I mean, he's, he's not getting a ton of targets, but he's being very productive with them. He's caught all 12 of his targets this year for 116 yards and three touchdowns. So with the Seahawks offense looking a little feistier than I thought they would. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible that Disley ends up being a top 12 tight end at the end of the season. Yeah, which is absolutely crazy. I think that's also kind of dovetails with what I was talking about with Geno Smith a little bit earlier on in the show. A couple of other tight ends. You've been talking about Hayden Hurst all season long. I've been talking about Robert Chop and Tunyons in Green Bay all season long, and he caught a touchdown pass on Sunday as well. As you even begin to not have confidence in these guys on the outside on Green Bay, the one familiar target that Rodgers can trust, especially in the red zone, is Robert Tunyon. He got into the end zone and then of course big shout out to our producer David I mean he obviously knew to start Taysom Hill this week as soon as he heard that it was Andy Dalton and no Kamara I guarantee you that you know top of the morning the London game he inserted Taysom Hill and let me ask you if there's no Kamara if there's no Jameis, I mean, any game that the Red Rifle is starting for New Orleans, we're going to see some snaps of Taysom Hill. Are you back on the Taysom Hill train, Samantha? Yeah, I mean, he is a little bit more than just a novelty, especially when Jameis is out. So right. if we have another perfect storm of that where Jameis is out and Kamara misses the game, then he's definitely a viable tight end one. He gets a little riskier if Kamara is back on the field because he takes snaps sure. out of the running back position. So he's out there in more than like two thirds of leagues. So uh, you can definitely grab him if you're leaning at the position. There's just like a lot of guys like there's like maybe a couple of guys that you trust like. Travis Kelsey is looking like the best draft pick that you could have made all right. season. Um, but after a certain, you know, point, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's pretty lean. So it's basically, you got to go off of, do you like the offense? Do you like the opportunities, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. We've been talking about this for a while that outside of the top tier at tight end, you know, getting consistent targets, consistent receptions is very hard. I really think that outside, once you get past like say tight end six, they're almost touchdown dependent. And on any given week, if they get into the end zone is anybody's guess. Well, remember here on Fantasy Flex, you could also give your questions to Samantha and her mailbag. Just hit us up mailbag at actionnetwork.com. If we have some great ones, we'll get them in here on the show. Samantha, 
Samantha will certainly answer some of those on social media as well. And, and Samantha, honestly, we're like a third of the regular season through, right? Most most fantasy leagues, I'm talking like 12, 13 weeks, and then we're on to the playoffs, and four of them are now done. Like, what are your words for someone who's like still one in three, but maybe has like the fifth highest points in their league? We're not panicking just yet, right? Oh, hang in there for sure. I mean, I, I have not even given up on some of my leagues that are terrible quite yet. Um, even if you're Owen where I've started seasons Owen five in the past and like still won the league. So all you have to think about is getting into the playoffs and then it's any given Sunday at that point to me. So uh, really like there's, there's just bad luck. Sometimes uh, some leagues have like some built in things to mitigate the luck factor. I know that you showed me your league where like you get two sort of two results yeah yeah where you go against like is it the league median or something like that Yeah, i've seen this a few different ways and i really do think this is smart you know great thanks for bringing it up samantha uh where you could play against your opponent and you could play against the league average or the league median i also like and this I've done a lot of leagues ever since the NFL changed to the 17 game schedule. Okay. Is I like um, all play weeks, write your commissioner a letter here. Okay. <laughs> I think the best possible format is when you play every other team once and exactly once. So you don't have that kind of schedule imbalance and you're playing like two or three teams multiple times that really skews it. I like an all play week where if you're in a 12 team league, the top six scores get a win and the bottom six scores get a loss. If you're in a 14 team league, kudos to you because you maybe will have to listen to us and be on the waiver wire a little bit more, <laughs> but then the top seven get a win. It kind of mitigates that thing that some people say every week. Oh, I put up the third highest point total in my league and I get a loss. You know, we want to actually have the cream rise to the top. And there's a lot of different formats for that. To be quite honest, if you want to know more about that, hit us up on the mailbag and we will be sure to answer those questions or at least advocate to your league commissioner for sure. But that's another episode of the Fantasy Flex. And like Samantha says, don't give up on your teams because if anything, that'll be us losing listenership. And we don't want that. We want you to stay with the Fantasy Flex because we will give you the diamonds in the rough off the waiver wire to improve your standing. So for Samantha Praviti, I am Dane Martinez. This is another episode of of Fantasy Flex. Go out and get those winners on the waiver wire, and we'll be back next week.